Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. We're going to look at verse 15 through 21. Ephesians 5. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a beautiful day that you have made. Thank you that you love your people. You love to show yourself to your people. You love to minister to us. And you have sent your son to live a perfect life and die in our place. And you, Jesus, have rose from the grave and ascended to the Father so that we can have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We pray that we would all encounter you this morning that you would fill us freshly with your spirit. We would all be encouraged. And for anyone who doesn't yet know you, we pray that you would open eyes to see Jesus as Lord and Savior. We ask this in your name. Amen. So what time is the baptism today? One o'clock. And we are going to start promptly just because we're, we're battling the, the storms that are coming. So Ephesians 5. Uh, The title of this sermon, this is the fourth or fifth sermon in the series, uh, and the title is Be Filled, and you'll see in a moment where we get the title from. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture in your mind a Christian you know that's been a Christian for some time who is a vibrant Christian, who is passionate about Jesus, who if you lose touch with them for a few months or even a few years, Nothing seems to change as far as their passion, their excitement, their ability to take risks for the Lord, their, their boldness in communicating who Jesus is and why people need to trust in him. I want you to picture that person or people. Got it in your mind? So here's a couple questions about that person. How does that happen? How does someone become a vibrant, passionate Christian for the long haul. What's the secret sauce? Is there a secret sauce? How did they become so vibrant, passionate, impactful, faithful over a long period of time? Then the question for us is how do we become vibrant, passionate Christians that make an impact for Jesus in our community? How do we do that? Well, my guess, if we were going to examine them, if we were going to say, hey, can we interview you? We want to ask you a few questions about how you've been able to sustain this passion, this enjoyment of the Lord, this joy of the Lord for so long. Here would be some common ingredients I would imagine they might say. They would say, they marvel in the grace and mercy of God that's revealed in Jesus Christ. It just blows them a way that they are loved and accepted by Jesus. They hope in Christ alone for salvation. They don't hope in Jesus plus anything. They hope in Jesus alone for salvation. They're in a local church community with other Christians. They stay connected to God's people. They have an accurate self-assessment based on what the Bible says. They know by nature they are sinful. They know by God's design and creation they are image bearers of God. They know that in Jesus they are beloved sons and daughters. So they have an accurate self-assessment. I would imagine they are dependent on God through prayer. 
not just in formal times, but through their daily lives, at work, in the car, when they're getting ready for their day, when they're falling asleep at night. They most likely are voracious, persistent, faithful readers of God's Word. And maybe other Christian books as well. But the last one is the one I want to focus on today. And I would think this ingredient is common to all of them. They are continually filled with God the Holy Spirit. They are filled over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. So, if you're tracking with that list and you're, you're thinking, ah, I don't know if I marvel in Jesus. I don't know if I always trust in Christ alone. I don't know if I'm so connected with the local church since COVID happened. I, I don't even know what I think about myself. I want to pray more. I'm not as persistent in Bible reading as I want to be. Well, here's the good news. This morning, we are going to focus on the final one. And you can do the final one, which is to be continually filled with God's Holy Spirit. And we do that by asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. And if he fills you, all these other things will slowly or even sometimes quickly fall into place. So let's look at our passage for this morning. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk. So how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's the big idea from this passage written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul. Because we have been made spiritually alive by the Holy Spirit, we must continually seek to be strengthened, empowered, and filled By the Holy Spirit. Because we have been gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. We've been made alive if you're a Christian. God's Spirit dwells in you. We need to be dependent on Him. We need to be empowered by Him to live out the Christian life. And we need to regularly ask Him to fill us with His Spirit. First point, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk wisely. If you're like me, there's probably a number of us in this room that prior to meeting Jesus, we did not walk wisely. I walked very foolishly as a teenager and as a, my early, early years at IEP at the college here. But then God saved me and began to change me. And I went from living like a fool to slowly learning how to walk wisely. Well, how did that happen? That happened because God's Spirit came inside of me and gave me power that I did not possess in and of myself. This is why verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. 
So we are called to make the best use of our time. To, to walk in obedience to the Lord. To walk in obedience to the Lord as written in His Word. That doesn't mean we can't have fun. That doesn't mean we can't have hobbies. But it means our general trajectory, the thing that we're aiming for, is to live for the glory of God, to please Him, to know Him, and to hopefully, prayerfully be used by the Lord to introduce others to Jesus. One of the things I wonder about is why, why aren't we more passionate for Jesus? I think sometimes we go right to just kind of the, the wicked immorality. Like, well, maybe we're not passionate because we're, we're tangled up in stuff that we shouldn't be. And that could be true for some. If that's you, you confess that to the Lord. First uh, John says he will cleanse you. He will scrub you down from the inside out. And he will free you. He will give you more freedom. But I think for a lot of us, busyness is probably as stifling as anything in our spiritual vibrancy. Just the, the cares and the pace of life. I mean, one of the blessings of COVID is it, it put the brakes on a lot of stuff. So it, it slowed things down. Now things are ramping back up and you're, you're probably busier than you were a year ago. Well, we have to just guard and protect that we are making sure that we are using our time to know the Lord, to spend time with the Lord. See, you will be most satisfied in life if you are satisfied in Jesus. So one application of this message may be a, a rearrangement of some of your schedules, some of the things that you do, so that you are carving out dedicated time for the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. For you are all Children of the light. Now that alone should amaze you because if that is true for you, that's only by the grace of God because what was also true is you were once children of the night. You once lived in darkness, total blindness to the living God. And now you're children of the light. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Let's be alert. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. If you are in Jesus, he has destined you for eternity with him, the complete opposite of wrath and punishment. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build up one another, just as you are doing. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk wisely. Another thing the Holy Spirit does, which is our second point, the Holy Spirit enables us to understand the will of the Lord, to know what is the creator of the universe who made everything, what is his will for our lives? What does he want us to do? How does he want us to act? How does he want us to live? What does he want us to give our affections and attention to? Well, look at Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Don't be foolish. Don't live for the things that our flesh craves. Don't live for the things that maybe our world celebrates. But understand the will of the Lord. And we do so by the Holy Spirit. See, we have been given this incredible instruction manual that is totally unique. Given by God Himself as He inspired men to write the words of Scripture. It's unique. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you now have the ability to understand it. So I don't know about you, I'm, I would say I'm like moderately handy. My dad is very handy. He is a machinist by trade. He can do everything. When we do house projects, he helps us out. Um, Mary's dad is a, a plumber by trade. He's very handy. So I'm like moderate to low, but, but climbing slowly over time. Um, so I have a little bit of a mechanical mind. So if I have to put something together and install a dishwasher or build something, um, I usually dive in first because when I look at instruction manuals, they might as well be written in Chinese or Spanish. or It's like I just can't follow fine print directions at all. But what I can usually do is just find my way through it. And so... Um, instruction manuals for me are pretty useless because it, the way God made my brain, it doesn't work with this fine print detail. And that's why I like Ikea stuff. It has pictures of guys, stick figures that just show you what to do and you just do it. Um, and they give you the little Allen wrench to put it together. Um, the point is, when it comes to the Bible, you may feel like that. But once God's Holy Spirit comes inside of you, he's going to help you understand. He's going to help you understand who God is, what his will for you is. I remember when I was born again at 19, I remember reading the Bible before as a Christian, made no sense. I remember then turning to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as a new Christian. It's like, wow, I actually understand this. This actually makes some sense. I, I can see who Jesus is. I can see how he acted towards other people. I can see how much love and compassion he had for the lost, the broken, the outcasts, the prostitutes, the sinners of all sorts. It was like my eyes were just opened to know the will of the Lord. That's not unique to me. That's God's Spirit coming inside of us. So the Holy Spirit will enable you to understand the will of the Lord as you seek him. Third point. We're going to slow down a little bit more with this one. The Holy Spirit is to be pursued continually. The Holy Spirit is to be pursued continually. So when you were born again, when you were made alive and you turned from your sins, you trusted in Jesus, you became the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. That's an incredible reality that should always cause us to marvel. But from that moment on, we are called to continually pursue the Holy Spirit, to continually be filled by the Holy Spirit. And he uses an interesting contrast in, in uh, Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he talks about the negative first. Here's what I... Don't want you to do, the Apostle Paul says, get out a big bottle of wine and chug it. 
Because you'll get drunk, and that leads to debauchery, which all that word means is all sorts of sins. All sorts of immorality often comes alongside of drunkenness. But you're no longer children of the dark. You've been made alive. So don't go there for life, for refuge, to deal with the world's problems, to deal with life's pressures. Don't go there, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about how how does this happen? How, How do we continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's start with the negative like the Apostle Paul does in this passage in verse 18, and then we'll get to the positive. So I got two how not to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to talk about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what not to do. And Jeremiah the prophet in the Old Testament gives us wise counsel. And through the Holy Spirit, he penned this and shared this with God's people. And this is what he said. He's speaking to the, the people of God. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. All a cistern is, is a container that holds water. So here's what he's saying. How not to be filled. Here's the two things to do if you don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Forsake the living God. Do not pursue the Lord. Turn away from Him when life gets hard. That's one way to do it. It's not recommended. It doesn't end well. But it's something that we often can do when pressure happens. I want you to picture that it's a very hot summer day. And you have been hiking around, let's say, in the desert. And you're hot. I mean, you are hot. And you're, you're, poor, you're past the point of sweating. So you're, you're out of internal water. You're, you're in trouble. And what you see off in the distance is this spring that's just flowing. It looks clear. And let's say it has no bacteria in it whatsoever. For the illustration set, you just see it. And it just looks so refreshing. And there are just like cups sitting right by it. Like somebody put them there for you. And it's, it's there. And you are hot. And you are thirsty. But then you look past the spring a little bit and you see a little bit off to the side, there's this pool, might even call it a large puddle. It's covered in green, slimy, mossy type stuff. It has animal carcasses, at least evidence of them, of bones kind of sticking out. It has a smell, a stench to it, and it has flies buzzing all around it. And you're with some friends and you you see the spring and you decide to grab the cup at the spring but you walk right by the spring. You're like, no, nah, I'm going to drink over here. I'm going to dip my cup into this slimy, stenchy water, and I'm just going to start chugging. That's what it's like when a Christian turns from the living God and looks for other things, broken cisterns, Jeremiah calls them, that will not produce life and satisfaction. Don't Take the bait. There's no life there. There's no satisfaction there. Here's some examples of broken cisterns that are common and promoted often. Money and possessions. If I just have this, if I have more money, 
If I have more things, you know, I can be vulnerable to those things. Well, if we get this, if we able to do this. But those things can be gifts from God, but they're never going to satisfy. I mean, just do a quick Google search on the richest people in the world and see what many of their lives are like. They have more money than probably all of us collectively will make in our lifetime. And they're still squirming. They're still restless. Don't believe the lie. It's a broken cistern. Don't believe the lie that if you just meet the right girl or the right guy, then life will be perfect. Then you will be satisfied. The right girl or the right guy can be a great gift from the Lord. Wonderful gift. Just don't look to it as a savior. Don't put it in the place of something only Jesus can do, which is satisfy. Other examples of broken cisterns are going to things that are forbidden by the Lord. Things that he says are wrong. Do not touch. Do not participate in. And yet you go to them. And they really are like the cesspool. They really are like the green slime and the stench. And you indulge and then you get slimed. And then you feel gross. You feel ashamed. You feel guilty. You feel like you took Jesus' name through the mud. And then you go back to him. And he is kind and merciful and will forgive you and cleanse you. But you need to stop going there. There is no life there. So you might have others that come to mind. Maybe it's a life of ease, a life of relaxation. Whatever it would be, if it's not the living God, it will not satisfy So we want to enjoy things as gifts from the Lord, but we don't want to look to them as they are the Lord somehow. When you do this, when you forsake God and you go to other things, it will have a long-term effect on your spiritual vibrancy, your spiritual health. Um, Remember how we started? Think of that person who is vibrant in their faith excited about the Lord, joyful, and you know their life is even really hard. If you keep going to other things, it's what long-distance athletes call either hitting the wall or bonking. So hitting the wall is is what happens when runners, who particularly long-distance, ultra-marathon kind of distance runners, will, will describe something as hitting the wall. And what they mean by that, there is not enough nutrition in their body, not enough calories or hydration. They're not hydrated enough. And so the combo is they they come to one point in the event and they just can't move anymore. Body shuts down. Cyclists call it bonking. It's the exact same thing. Not enough calories, not enough hydration. And the best of athletes, when they cross the threshold, it's over. And they're just, they're moving forward, but it's so painfully slow. Maybe some of you, that's, that's what you feel. That's how you feel as a Christian. You feel like you're hitting the wall. You're, you're bonking. You're on E. The Lord has much more in store for you than that experience. And so now we're going to go to the positive. How do we do this? How, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? See, that is the call. We're to be filled with 
the Holy Spirit. My hope, our hope as pastors is this morning, part of this would, your vision for your Christian life and what it can be would be raised. There would be a greater expectation of what it would be like to know the Lord, spend time with the Lord, be used by the Lord. There would be a vibrancy. You would not go to that, that slimy pool, but you would drink from the living water that Jesus offers, and it would be refreshing and invigorating. And there would be peace and joy, satisfaction that you haven't known about for quite some time in an experiential level. Do you remember in the book of John where Jesus takes his disciples through Samaria? It was a place where Jews didn't usually go, but he said, guys, we're going to take a straight line. We're going through Samaria. They meet a woman at the well. It's noon. She's at the well most likely because she is guilty and ashamed. Most, most often you go to the well in the morning or in the evening when it's cool on either side of the day. She was at high noon, and Jesus has a, a conversation with her. And in the conversation, Jesus reveals that he knows that this woman has had five husbands, and the man she is now living with is not her husband. A lot of broken cisterns there. And then he offers, offers this beautiful thing to her. That, listen to what he says to her right by the well. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, the water in the physical well. So you drink, you do life, you get thirsty, you have to drink again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty Again, there will be a life-giving, satisfying, supernatural, spiritual life given from what Jesus is talking about. See, he's no longer talking about physical water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that will be given. The water that I will give him will become in him or in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A satisfying, never-ending gift from the maker of heaven and earth. So how do we get this? How do we continually be filled with the Spirit? The first thing we need to do is ask. Just ask. Ask God to freshly fill you with His Spirit. Ask. Lord, I want this. I want more of you. I want to experience more of you. Ask Him. And if you think, well... I'm not worthy. I still get the green slime from the pond on me. I, I, I'm not worthy. Jesus' blood is what makes you worthy. Jesus' righteousness covering you is what makes you worthy. You and me in and of ourselves, we were never worthy. But clothed in Christ's righteousness, we can come boldly. We can come messy. And we can ask. And he loves when we come back to him. He loves it. So, ask. Listen to Jesus' own words. He's going to give a, a parable, an illustration. And this is what he says. It's from the book of Luke, chapter 11. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend? Will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, leave me three loaves. So you're hungry. You, you want to go get some good bread. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. 
and he will answer from within. So you're, you're getting food for a friend, a, a stranger that came and knocked on your door. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. The door is now shut. It's late. I'm not opening it. And my children are with me in bed. My children are asleep. I cannot get up and give you anything. So that's the situation. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, Bob. Some people showed up. We don't have any food. Can we have some food? The door is shut. You can't have any food. See you in the morning. Come back 8 a.m. after I drink my coffee. So that's kind of the, the picture. Verse 8, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. So the friend loyalty isn't the thing that's going to persuade him. Yet because of his impudence or persistence, your translation might say, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Bob, I'm not going away. I'm going to keep knocking until you open the door and give me these three loaves of bread. It's me. We're buds. I'm not going away. Because of that persistence, he says, verse 9, I will tell you, ask and it will be given. Wait. Because of his persistence, he'll rise and give him whatever he needs. All right, I want to go back to bed. Here's your bread. And verse 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. The idea of the tenses in this verse are ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Keep going back to the Lord. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, hey dad, can I have a fish? Sure, son, here's a scorpion instead. What dad would do that? Son asked for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent or snake? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil by nature, we all have a sinful nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Keep asking. He is generous. John Bunyan, the Puritan who wrote Pilgrim's Progress and many other books, he described um, God's grace as like bags and bags of grace stored up just for you. This endless supply with your name on it. And he dispenses it when you ask. And you keep asking. Lord, this is hard. Lord, I feel like I have cement feet. I can, I can hardly move. Would you please pour out your Holy Spirit? If you live in the Indiana area, let's say Indiana County, I don't know how far they travel, but they, I think they travel all over the, the county. Um, during the summertime, you'll hear the ice cream truck, the homemade ice cream truck. You'll hear the music, and they just slowly drive at like three miles per hour through the town, and all they're trying to do, they're not really looking for parents. They're looking for kids to go to their parents. I remember when our kids were younger, it was like right at bedtime. I don't hear anything. Do you hear anything? I don't hear anything. Um, and, then, and then what happens? The kid, oh, please, just this one time, Dad. Just this one time, Mom. I know, I know it costs a ton compared to how much ice cream you can buy in a store, but dad, please, 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 please. And they're persistent. They don't just say, hey dad, you hear that ice cream truck? Just wonder if I can get a cone. 
And dad says no. Or mom says no. Okay, I'm going to bed now. What kid does that? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what you want them to do at times. But, but you didn't do that. I didn't do that. They're not going to do that. There's ice cream. We want it. Please. I'll even get my own money. Please. See, they're persistent. That's how we should be with the Lord. Ask. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep pursuing. He will answer. How do I know he will answer? Listen to what John the Baptist says about Jesus and, and Jesus coming and, and his kingdom coming. This is from Mark 1, 7. And he preached saying, after me comes one who is mightier than I. He's talking about Jesus. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. So this is John the Baptist. He was commended by Jesus for his character, for his humility. And, and John said, I, I can't even... Can't even strap these guys' sandals. That's how different we are from one another. And this is what he will do. See, verse 8, John the Baptist says, I have baptized you with water. So I dunked you with water. And John's baptism was for repentance to prepare the way for Jesus. But he, this Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, listen to what he will do. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will all the word baptism means is immerse. He will immerse you in God the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus will do for all who know him. He will immerse you. So you keep asking, you keep knocking, Lord, I want to be immersed in your spirit. I want to experience your presence in a tangible way. I want to I have eyes to see with great clarity who you are as I read your word. Ask the Lord and he will answer. So we're to ask. How are we to be filled? We're to ask. We're to spend time with the Lord. One way to be filled with the Lord is to spend time with him. Carve out a time that works for you in your day where you can spend time with him. Spend time with him through prayer. Spend time with him through reading his word. Spend time singing to the Lord. Spend time with Him. And what you will notice is as you are spending time with Him, you, you have this life-giving water inside of you rising up the joy of your salvation, the springs of your salvation coming to life again and again. And as you do, if you have one prayer for the rest of the summer, as you're asking the Lord to help you to spend time with Him, pray this prayer from Psalm 34, 8. Or pray it as a prayer. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Turn it to a prayer. Lord, this morning I'm tired. I'm distracted. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm fearful. Did I mention I'm tired? Lord, may I... Taste and see that you're good today. Would you, in the quiet of the morning or the quiet of the evening, would you give me a feast, an experience of you as I spend time with you? Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. As you spend time with him, cast your cares on the Lord. See, as you spend time with him, you get to unload everything that you're carrying around. 
You know, as you, as you, if you've spent months away from the Lord, you have so much weight and baggage and you're barely walking and your back hurts and you're, you're tired and you can't look up. Well, part of spending time with the Lord is, is just unloading that. Casting your cares on the Lord. Listen to what Peter says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Now listen to this part. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Part of spending time with the Lord is spending time with one who loves you, who cares for you, who loves when you sit down and spend time with him. Like, if you're a grandparent, I mean, I'm not a grandparent, but if you're a grandparent, I can imagine it's like, I've been told by my friends that are grandparents that it's like all the fun parts of parenting without any of the responsible part. You don't have any of these late night conversations and all that kind of stuff. You just, you just give them candy and give them ice cream and you sit them on your lap and you have fun with them. Well, the Lord loves when we come to him. It's like a, a, a child, a grandchild coming to the grandparent. Go to him. Cast your cares on him. Third way to seek him. There are many others, but I just wanted to focus on three. Seek, spend time with him, and take risks for the Lord. This one might surprise you, but if you want to really be filled with the Holy Spirit and you want to experience his power, his tangible presence, you want to experience the, the quickening of the Holy Spirit inside of you where you suddenly Feel like the Bible answer man where in a normal conversation you have no ability to even know what John 3.16 means? Well, you do that when you step out, when you take risks for the Lord. The times where God has given me courage to step out and do things that I was only doing because I was a Christian and because I was following Jesus, not because I necessarily wanted to do them, but I took a risk, are the times where I've experienced the presence of the Lord in very powerful ways, the, the, the clarity of the Bible and communicating the Bible in, in ways that were just not normal for me at all. God wants us to take risks for the Lord. Christianity is meant to be this incredible adventure where we step out in faith and we say, Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you lead me. And I will speak to whoever you want me to speak to about you. And then the other side is, Lord, I'm a coward. I'm fearful. I really don't want to do this right now. But you want me to do it, so I'm going to come back over here. You're going to fill me with your spirit. I'm going to be bold and courageous. Take risk for the Lord. If you don't think that's part of what God is calling you to, read the book of Acts. And read one of the Gospels. You'll see these somewhat timid men fumbling all over themselves at times became courageous. And according to church history, most of them became martyrs for the faith. Well, what happened? They took risks for the Lord and they were courageous and God used them mightily to introduce others. Take risks for the Lord. So we're to be filled by the Holy Spirit and when we are filled by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce a vibrancy in those who seek him. You can guarantee it. If you do these things, if you just ask and seek and spend time day after day, week after week, year after year, 
not to earn approval. You already have approval because of Jesus, but just to get to know the Lord himself. There will be just this beautiful reality, this fruit that will be produced in you. This vibrancy, here's here's some of the things that it will include. You will sing to the Lord. You will give thanks to the Lord. You will walk humbly before the Lord and others. You will experience the fruit of the Spirit, like we talked about last week, in increasing measure. You will be growing your boldness and your courage to talk about Jesus. You will be compelled to use your gifts for the Lord, no matter how young or old you are. This is what, how Paul ends this section in Ephesians 5. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You will be vibrant no matter what difficulties come your way. just want to end with this picture from the book of Acts. The band can come up as I read this picture. So if you want to see what this Christian vibrancy looks like, we're going to look in it, into a jail cell window. In that jail cell, we're going to see Paul and Silas. When we look closely, we're going to see they had a rough day. They were beaten. They were bloodied. They were bruised. And it's late. They're probably hungry, probably dirty. And we're looking through the, the, the windows. And as we look, this is what we see. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So they're in stocks. Their, their feet are bound. Their arms probably are bound too. We look through. They're, they're singing and they're praying. They're worshiping the Lord and others are watching. Suddenly a great earthquake comes. So the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. Every bond were unfastened. That is what a vibrant Christian life looks like. They were taking risks for the Lord. They spend a lot of time with the Lord. And even at their lowest points, they're able to keep worshiping and delighting in the Lord. So as you seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be compelled to sing more, give thanks more, walk humbly, experience the fruits of the Spirit, be a bold witness, and you will be compelled to use the gifts God has given you. So let's all stand And I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And here's the big idea we started with. Because we have been made alive by the Holy Spirit, we must continually seek to be strengthened, empowered, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.